back to Brian's Beat. Join the show by calling 508-996-0500. New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. Beat. I'm Brian. Glad to have you this Saturday morning, January 20th. It's cold outside, yeah. What do you expect for? What do you expect for January? Yes, it is going to be cold. Speaking of Doug, you know, and his dog, that little sick pup. Really, speaking of sick pups, have you, have you heard about this story? An American Airlines flight attendant arrested Thursday after he allegedly recorded girls with a hidden camera in the bathrooms on flights that he was working. His name is Estes Carter Thompson III. Early in September, a 14-year-old girl needed to use the bathroom on her flight from the Carolinas up to Boston. And as, you know, the story goes, she noticed that the bathroom in the main cabinet was occupied. So the flight attendant, Mr. Estes, is alleged, I'm going to use that term, alleged, to have said, well, look, you can go use the bathroom in first class. And then he said, oh, I got to wash my hands first. Then apparently he goes and, and announces that the toilet seat is is busted. So I, right now I'm I'm wondering he's got to wash his hand. Toilet seat's busted. Why didn't they just wait until the other bathroom isn't occupied anymore? But we're talking about a 14 year old girl here. So he comes out, she goes in, and she sees uh, red stickers, an open toilet seat cover. The stickers are reading, remove from service, seat broken, and inoperative catering equipment. But then she happened to find a cell phone camera operating. So what does she do? Uh, We can say whatever we want about young girls, young boys, and cell phones. But this girl, for whatever reason, was taking her cell phone to the bathroom with her. And what did she do? She took pictures of the camera that was getting ready to take something of her. She goes back to her seat, shows her parents. Her parents summon another flight attendant. Flight attendants talk to the pilot, pilot radios down to Logan Airport, hey, we got a problem here. Apparently, this guy, when he was confronted by the father, he ran, he being Estes, he ran into the bathroom. And apparently in the bathroom, he tried to get rid of all the pictures on the phone, deleted, you know, deleting them. 
But apparently he has an iCloud account that has a whole bunch of photos. And there they found pictures of other kids, other young girls, as young as seven years old. Like I said, this guy seems to be a sick pup. If if it, I'll, I'll eat my words. I'll gladly eat my words if somebody just kind of hoisted this on him and he really doesn't know what went on. But from what I can see here and what I can read here, this guy is bagged in Baghdad. 508-996-0500. I do appreciate your patience. Hello. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I, I had a couple of I had a couple of points, but I'll, I'll stick with just one. I just wanted to. Uh, I recently read an article that uh, Jess Machado put out uh, related to a tragic incident that took place in Dartmouth, where a a young man was uh, killed in an automobile accident. And you know, I started thinking about uh, having some experience with uh, these types of incidents in which minors or uh, people who are protected are supposed to be protected uh, from this type of alleged behavior. I just wanted to give Jess a shout-out that she's using some courage uh, to poke around and try to verify some information relative to the safety of our children in schools and, like you just mentioned, uh, traveling. Um, I think that the media, however, and there's people out there that will say that it's insensitive uh, based on the tragedy that they're asking questions. I saw that uh, Greater New Bedford Vocational Technical School kind of stonewalled her a little bit on the request for information and then the charging of over $800 for some of the information. But um, that, Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, don't, I don't know anything about it, but I, I do appreciate your call on it. 508-996-0500. Hello. Hey, Brian, what's going on? Winging and wanging. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, hey, do you mind if I, like, change the subject a little bit? To what? Oh, I, I, I have a whole, like, Rolodex in my head that we can go to, but uh, may, might not be suitable for, for radio. But, might anyway. not be suitable for, why would you bring it up on the radio then? <laughs> so, um, well, one thing, I'm going to go out in my backyard today, and I'm going to burn about 35 barrels of oil and try to really accelerate this whole global warming thing because my face hurts when I went outside today. That's number one. That's the number one thing I'm going to do. You're going to uh, burn oil Yeah, because your face hurts? Because, because we need to ex- exaggerate and accelerate global warming uh, because the 16 degrees and 5 degree wind chill is, is not suitable for my liking. So okay. we need to warm this earth up a little bit more. Oh, so I'm going to do my part. Go. All right, do yeah, your part. <laughs> um, so I, I was thinking this uh, this morning and, and late last night about social programs, government social programs. And myself, I think what we can do is if we privatize every social program, from food stamps to welfare to everything, privatize it, let a, a private nonprofit run it for a little while, and then eventually completely eradicate it from the government, and then allow just the private market to handle it, your, non, your local nonprofits. That's where it belongs, Brian. So how would you do that? Let's, let's talk about um, 
food stamps. SNAP, I guess. So, but, how, how would you sure. do food stamps? So food stamps, you would, you would start, you would have a nonprofit administer it. Now, initially, it would obviously still be taxed out of your, your paycheck, distributed in the budget. But instead of the government running it, it would be a nonprofit running it. So then at least you're starting to starting to because it's going to take a while. It's going to take step by step. You're going to eradicate it little by little. You get rid of the government's decisions and you bring in a nonprofit like a, a local food pantry that would do it. And you need to start administering it more at the local level where you're not 50 and 60 and 70 miles away from the problem. Now you can start to see the impact in your local community, in the city of New Bedford, in Dartmouth, in Fairhaven. So when you start to bring the money back locally, you'll feel actually a little bit better with where your tax dollars are going. You'll see people being helped directly. Now, over the long term, I think one thing that we could do is, uh, is eventually cut your tax. So say, say the budget for social programs is $10 billion. We'll have a $10 billion tax cut in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Everybody keeps their own money. And then you're not coerced into giving to programs you don't want to. You can give more to specific nonprofits. So if, if you've been hungry in the past, and now you're, you have a good job, you don't have to worry about food insecurity anymore, you can actually donate more to your local food pantry than the taxes were in, in the past when, when, they, when it was a government-administered program. I think you're, you're making some good points. It, it would need to be uh, filed down, sandpapered a little bit. But sure, the, sure. One I mean, thing, the one thing that isn't going to happen is the government is not going to let up on those programs because those are votes that you're talking about right there. They don't right, want to lose the votes. Right. And that's the biggest problem with the, with, with the social programs is it's, it's not really there to help people. It's there to ensure votes. We see that at the federal level where the Republicans are going to say, uh, the Republicans are, are blamed for, they're going to cut social security. And that we saw that with George W. Bush when he, you know, offered a, a suggestion to privatize like 5% of Social Security. You know, we see it, it's scare tactics for power grabs. It's not about actually helping people. Because if, if we kept the money local, think about this. You send a lot of money to Boston, and then it gets distributed by the state. You don't even see the impact of your dollar. If we kept that money in New Bedford, how much more local impact you could have? That, that, that's, that's really my whole goal is, is if you could actually, libertarians, traditional liberals don't want to uh, stop helping the poor. We just want to help the poor through the private market, through nonprofits rather than the government administering it, who have, they have no idea about the problems of your local community. You know the problems of your household, your family, better than anybody. And then you extrapolate that to the town and to the city. And you know where the problems are. Sounds and good. And you could actually fix those problems faster, to be honest with you, when the money stays local and in your pocket. And then you can, you yourself there, as a there, person. If, if nothing else, if nothing else, there would be the effort to want to fix the problem. Hey, thank you for your call. Great call. You got it, Brian. I do appreciate it. We continue on Brian's Beat. Hello. Getting back to the camera guy on the airplane. Yes. I don't know why he would commit a crime when you're 30,000 feet above the earth and somebody on that plane was guilty. 
And it was so dangerous because he could have been so mortified that he could open up a door and jump out. And everybody else would have been dead, too. Yeah, I I guess that's a possibility. Yeah, so he tried to cover it up, but he tried to think, you take it off your phone, you're all set. Didn't work for him. Well, it it, it worked on the phone part, but he forgot the iCloud. I guess he didn't... Once again, I I have described this guy as a sick pup. Imagine what his life is going to be like uh, in a few years when he is found guilty. Well, one time I went down the Cape, and there's a public uh, house area that everybody gets off the bus and goes to. And I was in the stall, and this was many, many years ago when phones and basic cameras were on. And I'm in the stall, and it's a dark... dark, um, bathroom area and all of a sudden I get this large flash in my stall from above and I see the arm pull away back and I thought gee was it lightning but the hand above that went over to the other stall I was wondering now I know what they were doing because I didn't know at that time what somebody was doing they're actually taking pictures of people who were in the other stalls but I, um, I don't think they saw anything because I'm very uh, modest. Um, when I try things on in a store, I'll go and get a big, big skirt and put it around me like an umbrella, and then I'll, I'll undress. But that's me. I'm very modest. Hmm. You know, I should have you, you, you would think that you're safe on an airplane bathroom or in an airplane bathroom. I, it, it, yes, it's so is tiny. nothing sacred anymore. No, I, I'm. I would have pulled if if that was within um, uh, where the camera was, where that particular man had it on on the toilet. I would have pulled it right off and kept it as evidence. Well, they got but, the evidence. I mean, I I, yeah. I I applaud this 14 year old girl for thinking about taking the pictures first. You know, leave it there. And then, it, yeah. you know, when somebody goes back, it, well, what happened to that camera? Right. Uh, somebody, I dropped it and somebody planted it in there. There's so many excuses you can make to try to get out of it. Yeah. If you're fast on your feet. Yeah. But one thing's for sure. If it's his cell phone, it might be uh, reset to factory uh, installs. But That's what his, he name, did. his name is all over it. Yes. He reset it. He tried everything to erase it. But I heard that the uh, it's programmed in clouds that anyone who has um, a very indecent picture is put up separately into another cloud that somebody else owns, like a Sony or um, Apple. Mm. They keep it all. Somebody wants to take a look. Or they do it for, I don't know. Maybe they do it to uh, when law enforcement officials are interested in finding this stuff out. They've got it in a separate pile, and you don't have to go searching all over the place. Yeah, sooner or later, you'll you'll hear, hear a knock on your door. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. 508-996-0500. Hello. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brian. My first question to you is, why do you repeat everything I say? When I said, good morning, Brian, you repeat it. Now, I know there's a reason for that. 
Could you explain it to the listening audience? Uh, what if I said no? You've <laughs> already explained it in the past. I know, so why do I have to explain it again? Well, because a lot of people listening don't remember. I, I, I'm a fan of yours, so I listen to you re- religiously. Excuse religiously? Me. Let's let's not go down that road. We're not going to church on my show. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I, I do it. It's, 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 it's like the, the, the quick answer to you is it's right. mirror image. You know, hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. Right. I thought it might have had something to do with uh, uh, a, um, uh, what the heck was that? What am I thinking about here? A uh, legal thing. No. Like, uh, you know, no. No, nothing legal. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? All right. Well, Okay, let me, uh, with your permission, ask another question. I'm a fan of Johnny One Note, and I know he's been, his health has been somewhat of a problem. Do you, do you have the latest on how he's doing? I Unfortunately, I do not. Okay, because I know he's a, he's a, a good friend of uh, one, of, one of the other talk show hosts there that comes on. Tim? Huh? Tim? No, not Tim. The the, the gentleman that, that comes on at, uh, oh, is that 1 p.m.? Barry? After, after the news? Barry? No, it's, it's before Barry. Oh, the 9 o'clock. Chris? Chris, right, Chris. Well, you've, know you've, you've gone through the, through the weekday lineup now. Oh, what's Chris? What's Chris's last name? McCarthy. Good, that, that's it. Who's Chris McCarthy? I'm sorry. Okay, no, nothing think, to be sorry about. I don't mean to confuse him, but he's. A, I think he's a good friend of Chris McCarthy. So he might be. Chris has mentioned a couple of times on his show that he was uh, he was feeling much better. So I was just wondering if if they, he had shared that with you. So. Um, okay, can I just squeeze in one last question? Unless you, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just hang up another and listen. It. I know you go back quite a ways, time-wise, with your uh, investments in in, uh, in uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin investments, right? Now I know you, you're quite. And I think you've even taken classes on it in the area that you didn't mention one one time. And then I wonder if you you could give me your opinion on what's happening in the market with bitcoins because I hear it's it's a bad investment. It's, it, it, you should stay away from it. Blah blah blah. If I could just get your opinion on that, I would appreciate it. I'll just hang up and listen. Thank you uh, for your call, and I do appreciate it. What I would say to you, as I say to each and every other person, it is volatile. It is risky. I do, you know, I'm going on the hunch that 10, 15 years down the road, it is going to be, it will surpass gold as, as good as gold is. What I would suggest to you, as I, again, I suggest to each and every other person, is to actually go out there and study it. Don't just, oh, okay, well, Bitcoin's not, Brian said this, you know. Follow what's going on with Bitcoin. And, and I would personally say to start with one of the cryptos. I, Bitcoin is my preference. 
Uh, it is the most popular coin out there. It, you know, I say coin, I say crypto. It is not crypto. It is a coin. Although you don't really hold that coin. However, it is something that you need to study. One of the th- I'll tell you the few things that I really like about it. Number one, I don't have to have uh, a third party. I don't have to use Goldman Sachs or uh, Merrill Lynch or any of those types of companies. I can trade it any time of the day, any day of the week. So those are the things that really impress me the most about Bitcoin. Uh, But to me, it is more of a savings apparatus. It's savings instrument as opposed to something that I want to be out there trading, you know, trade this for gold, trade this for silver, uh, use it as money down the road. Uh, So that's it in in a nutshell. Just study it. And it's I think the more you study it, the more impressed you will become of it. 508. 996-0500. Nine nine six zero five hundred. I see you there, and I'm going to get to you in just a second. Michelle Landry is going to join us in just a bit. She operates Circle of Friends Montessori School in North Attleboro. Right now, let's get back to your calls on Brian's Beat. Hello. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brian. How are you today? I am fantabulous. How are you? You are. I am good. Great. Um- I'm calling in regards to health care. Please. When you hear about these uh, pockets of organizations that aren't providing uh, much care or there's a long wait, you go to your community, greater community health center. I had a relative that needed a PCP. Went there two weeks ago to make an appointment. They're not accepting any new patients until March. Really? I asked why. They said because they have no doctors. Mm. Now, when your community health center or clinic is in that situation, you've got a crisis on your hands. And it's a silent crisis that no one's paying attention to because we're so tied up in worrying about people's genitals, what what they're offended at, and all of this other crap. It's like there's a cancer in this country, and there's no oncologist around that even wants to look at it. And it's really sad. I've been in healthcare 44 years on different levels. And what we have now is just the threads of a healthcare system. And wow. it's going to implode. You know, it, it's. I, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. But it seems to me, back when I when I came back on here full time, way back when in 2014, people were saying we've got the best healthcare system in the world. I hardly hear anybody say that today because it's not true, yeah. and it hasn't been true for years. Hmm. Thank you. And now that you yeah. you have call universities like Harvard who now are redoing their teachings to physicians, teaching them not to talk to, refer to people as fat, not to talk to people about weight if they don't want to. Well, if you've got someone 100 pounds overweight and you don't want to talk to them about weight or how to 
make small changes or you're going to be a diabetic, then you're going to be a diabetic. You're going to have heart problems. It's a guarantee. And so... Well, do you do you think that you think the medical schools are trying to do that on purpose? Because if you take somebody who isn't healthy but hasn't been on the pills or anything like that, eventually they're going to get on them. What I'm saying is, is the doctor, new doctors are being taught not to address things out of not wanting to be offensive. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I think that there may be more than just that reason that they're being taught that way because you, you keep the medical uh, system running by, you know, you, okay. So you don't offend them, but not by not offending them, then all of a sudden they have to take more medications, which, you know, beefs up that side of the, of the ledger. Oh, I see. I think it's a, I think it is a few factors involved and I am sure that's one of them, but I think that people need to wake up and start voicing to their rep- state representatives through email, text, or whatever. Because if you accept this, this this banana country now that we're in, because that is truly what we are in, it's going to get worse when you've got 30 million people coming into this country. Because they're going to be the priority, not you, the American citizen. Thank you. I do appreciate the call. Let's take one more before the break. Hello. Yeah, good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, good. Yeah, I want to talk quickly on the health and uh, investing in Bitcoin and the stock market. First of all, the house always wins, like in the casino. And most of the time, you try to short. Whether stocks or Bitcoin, you either break even or you lose a lot of money. And, uh, you know, the the word stockbroker, because they make you broke. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of, uh, that's a good it's one. True. No, I, that the, is a good one. Well, you don't have to worry about time. a stockbroker with Bitcoin. Oh, excuse right. me. Now they have ETFs, so I guess you do. Right. So people go into their 401ks and all of that. They, they trust people that can't even manage a bank account uh, to go and guess where and the money's going to be made and what sector and what market. Uh, and if you look uh, historically, the S&P 500 index has beaten the stock market. Uh, for uh, uh, for, for uh, decades and uh, over a century. So uh, put your money there and let it sit there and accumulate wealth. Because if you try to do it, the very, very few talented guys can short and make they come out uh, millionaires and billionaires. And as far as health care, I spoke with uh, one of my doctors, and he said the reason why he said he's going to be leaving, because uh, malpractice insurance here is through the roof, and uh, he's leaving. It's costing them too much money. And uh, how can they operate, too, a hot on where the electric and, and the natural gas to heat that facility, plus insurance and uh, taxes? I mean, that, too, is putting a big, uh, it's putting a big hurt on, on them and many other hospitals, not to mention, like the woman said, uh, the illegals uh, just taking over, getting free health care, and it's, we know it's not free. It's bankrupting uh, the state and is making everybody poorer. Yeah, I'm not. Again, uh, I I'm not for giving uh, illegals health care. Uh, certainly on on the taxpayers' buck, but I'm not sure how many of them are making their way up to Hawthorne Medical. Yeah, I don't know, but let me just close with this: uh, Big Pharma is in the major medical schools. 
they got their reps. They're there right beside the professor when they uh, when they're teaching uh, the class uh, and when they're going out uh, to do internship. So that when they go in uh, become doctors, they're going to push all kinds of pills. Because once you take a pill for one thing, you got to take another pill to offset what the other one is taking away from the body. It's so you true. get the big picture. It's a lot of money. You got that right. Hey, thank you so much for your call. I do appreciate it. 508-996-0500. When we come back, Michelle Landry. You know, I, I'm starting this a day early. From tomorrow through next Saturday is National School Choice Week. Now, you know how I'm an advocate of uh, people making a good decision on on where to go to school. Not trying to tell you exactly where to go to school, but I I believe that every child deserves her or his own individual educational plan. Now, the monopoly system, they can't do that. However, at some of these other schools where you should be taking advantage of National School Choice Week to go and check some other schools uh, for you to uh, maybe have your your child go to the school. Uh, joining us today is Michelle Landry. She is the owner-operator of Circle of Friends Montessori School in North Attleboro. And I'm glad to welcome her, <laughs> welcome her onto the program today. Michelle, good morning. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. Can you hear me? I hear you very well. My okay. uh, my bad, as they say. Okay. <laughs> uh, at any rate, so how did you get started with uh, this whole idea of, of operating your own school? Sure. Um, so I started the school back in 1991 when I was uh, pregnant with our first child. My husband and I have 10 biological children, and we knew we wanted to have several children, and we needed a second source of income. Um, So I left my job and started a home daycare um, when I was pregnant, and that daycare changed into a Montessori school as the parents of the children I was watching um, decided that they needed to have preschool for their own kids. Um, So in order to keep those children in my care, I decided to switch over to an educational program. Why Montessori? Um, Why Montessori? Because I and my husband both really believe in the methodology of Montessori. Um, Can you explain what that is? Sure. Um, Montessori follows the child as opposed to just imparting knowledge on the children. Uh, We try to release the child's full potential. Um, The children are free to choose their own activities within the classroom setting. Um, The classroom is very organized. We use real materials. The children use real glass, um, real utensils for service as opposed to plastic. Um, Almost everything in the classroom is made of wood. There are different areas of the classroom, five different primary areas. Um, There's a practical life, sensorial. We have a science and nature area, geography, and then math and language. And um, the children see real life 
activities, um, they take care of the classroom, and the environment is prepared especially for the children each day. The teachers prepare special activities, and we follow each individual child. So everyone is on a different level. Everybody is learning at their own pace. Um, but we introduce activities to the children individually as they are ready. So it's a little Well, but th- these are pretty young children, aren't they? I mean, I, I, I think I have a, a bit of a problem that we, I believe as a society, we start school too early. I mean, expecting kids to be able to, you know, maybe write their name, that's one thing, but to be able to write other words and they're only uh, five years old or four years old, I think that's really, I think it burns them out. That's what I I really believe. Well, we um, engender a love of learning. So for the children in our care, it's not task-oriented. They... They choose what they want to do, and they're introduced to these different things, such as writing and reading uh, at a young age, but they enjoy, we consider it work. We don't call it play when they're at school. They are working just like their parents go to work. They come into school to work, and I, I believe that um, Given the opportunity, children are able to do amazing things at very young ages. And um, our experience has been that they continue to be very successful. We've followed the kids that have come through our program into adulthood, and we are now seeing some of their children come back to our program. And um, the adults that have come through the program have done extremely well in their lives and are are very successful, well-rounded individuals, but they, they really love to learn and seek knowledge on their own. So your Montessori school is a private school, uh, state-funded. How, how does that work? We are a private school, yes. We are not state-funded. And, and when you're when the students leave your school because you you're basically preschool maybe kindergarten where where yeah. do they go do they go to private charter magnet what 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 kind of school do they go to afterwards um in general actually all all of the above mentioned uh, the the majority of the children that leave our program go to private schools um, and some of them do do attend public schools. And a few will go to a charter school. It's the parents' choice, um, where obviously where they send their kids. Uh, I would say that the majority of the families that seek our program continue to seek out private schools afterwards. Michelle Landry is our guest. She is the operator of Circle of Friends Montessori School in North Attleboro. Are you doing anything in particular for National School Choice Week? We're we're having some small celebrations with the children um, in the classroom. So we're having a dance party this week, and we are doing some decorating of different materials that National School Choice Week sent to us, and we're also doing our our rock painting activity on Friday, which our school rocks. Um, the kids are decorating rocks, but 
the children that we have are 15 months to six years. So they're a little too young to really understand what school choice means. Some of the four and five-year-olds do understand that their parents, you know, have chosen to send them here instead of another preschool or kindergarten. But um, we're, we're keeping it a little bit low-key because we have such a young age group. And I can understand that. Why do you think that this whole school choice, uh, because quite frankly, if, if you look at the numbers, unless the numbers are lying to us somehow, some way, many people have opted away from the traditional school system into homeschooling and private schooling. And I'm, I'm wondering why we don't hear more uh, private schools, homeschools, charter schools, magnet schools, doing, uh, uh, participating, I guess I should say, in this National School Choice Week? I think National School Choice Week is relatively new, um, and I believe that they haven't really gotten their word out much, at least in the New England area, uh, as far as the celebration itself. So I I don't know. (laughs) Aside from that, that's just... Well, you know about it. I know about it. They contacted me specifically um, through email two years ago and asked if we would be interested. And we are um, very strong proponents of choice uh, as far as educational choices for our children. And we, as a family, have chosen to send our own children to private schools. And so I was very on board with what they were trying to promote um, and this is our second year participating, but will you do it I a third? We will do it again. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of choice also. So I, I think I, I, to me, it's freedom. I, I, Absolutely. I, I don't, I, I guess I, I will get a little political right here. You can see and hear what's going on in, in, in the school system right now. Are you a little bit? scared about what you're hearing and and reading and seeing um to get political yes i am a little scared a little more than scared about some of the things i see and hear and um am very happy to have our cocoon of private schools available for people to choose well and i certainly agree i think what really needs to happen, maybe this is what the this whole network is about, is to open up more schools so people have more choice, more diversified. It sounds like you're already doing something that I advocate, and that is for every child to have their own individualized educational plan. Yes, we absolutely, Montessori does that. Where do you see yourself going uh, next year? You've been at it 33 years. Yes, I mean, we plan to do this until my husband and I retire and hopefully one of our biological children decides to go into education and takes over the business. Wow. I'd like to see it continue, yeah. Do you find any interest within your your broad there? <laughs> I have a couple of, uh, a couple of our daughters. Um, one is already a special ed teacher. Um, And another one of my daughters is a sophomore in college right now, and she has an education um, track. So she may be the one that wants to come back and 
and take over. She's going to study in Japan first, and then we'll see where that leads. <laughs> wow, that's that's excellent. So, ten kid, did all ten go through your school? Yes, they have all been through our school. This is <laughs> that's something, so, huh? Yeah, it was. That was the main goal in staying home, and um, at least we have made that goal a reality, which is wonderful. So final question to you with all of this, where do you see this as in the Montessori school and the national school choice week going from here? Well, I, I hope that people will become more aware of the choices that they have for education in particular Montessori. Um, but so many different options are out there right now. And if they're not happy with the public school system, they they should seek out other available options. Um, even the charter schools are free to go to. And um, there there are so many different avenues that they can they can choose. I just encourage everyone to really look into their options um, if they're not happy with what they're seeing in the public school system right now. Sounds good. Michelle Landry, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. No problem. Michelle Landry, Circle of Friends Montessori School in North Attleboro. I'm Brian. Adios.